Cookie Monster, I'm going to have to cut you off. Cookie Monster, and that was me lost me cookie at the disco. It's hard to stop that, really. But nevertheless, Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and it's coming up right now. If Pandora's Box is a box of chocolates would I know to stay away? What's said If Pandora's box, the box of chocolates, would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Hi, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30. And one thing that we find most important on this show is to serve the citizens of Ann Arbor. Now, wherever you are around the world, you're also citizens in Ann Arbor. It's kind of hard to explain, but nonetheless... What do people of Ann Arbor care about? That's the main thing we're concerned about. Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, and the rest of the world. Well, one thing is coffee. Another thing is tofu and granola and, well, stinky tofu, gender-bending chickens. It's all, it's all going to be perfectly clear in just a moment, or it won't be. But in the meantime, here's Andre Williams, who is performing this Saturday, March 20th, at the Park Bar in Detroit. And there's even more news on that. But in the meantime, we got to get with uh, Andre Williams and the greasy chicken. Chinamen, they say, and down yonder. 
understands us back And uh, we gonna try to show you how it go You'll learn how to do it in about a month or so So take my advice This dance is really sticking And it's this crazy little thing They call the greasy chicken So remember folks This dance is really sticking It's a crazy little thing They call the greasy chicken of the citizens of Ann Arbor, we present to you The Greasy Chicken by Andre Williams. With the multi- multicultural aspect to it, we thought that would be most important to bring you The Greasy Chicken and The Greasy Chicken in many of the many languages, many of the many languages spoke many times in this many splendored town. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food, and we're going to get back to chicken in just a moment, but first, what else matters to Ann Arbor? This is what we're all about here. How about cappuccino? Yes, well, Cappuccino and transportation. How about a cappuccino car? How about a car Pacino? Well, this is out of the Daily Mail of the UK. And the Mail Online, in fact, this week, this news from the Daily Mail. A car that runs on coffee has been unveiled this week. And and at between 25 and 50 times the cost of running a car on gas, the invention won't please any motor industry bean counters either. Oh, man. Nicknamed the car Pacino... It has been created using a converted 1988 Volkswagen Sirocco. Yes, whatever that is. Bought for 400 pounds and chosen for its resemblance to the time-traveling DeLorean in the movie Back to the Future. The car will be driven more than 200 miles between Manchester and London, powered only by roasted coffee granules. It's been built by a team from the BBC One science program, Bang Goes the Theory, and will go on display at the Big Bang Science Fair in Manchester. Actually, that's going on right now, of course. I know you're all flying out to Manchester tonight, as I am. The fair will show how fuels other than conventional petrol and diesel can power vehicles. The team calculates that the Carpaccino will do three miles per kilo of ground coffee, the equivalent of about 56 espressos per mile. I know probably some of you have actually gone through 50 to 60 espressos per mile while running the mile, but the journey will use about 70 kilos of ground coffee, which at supermarket prices of between 13 and 26 pounds a kilo, depending on brand and quality, will cost between 910 pounds and 1,820 pounds, or between 25 and 50 times the cost of petrol for the journey. Despite a top speed of 60 miles per hour, they will have to clean out the coffee filters quite often to rid them of the soot and tar, which is also generated by the process. 
Nick Watson, producer of Bang Goes the Theory, said, Coffee, like wood or coal, has some carbon content, so you could use it as fuel. This is important. The coffee needs to be very dry and in pellets to allow the air to move through the pile of coffee as it burns. The brand does not matter. He says the same gasification process could be used to power a car on other unusual fuels, such as wood chips or walnut shells, construction debris, I love it, or agricultural waste or landfill. To save money and to help the environment, the team taking the coffee-powered car will use waste coffee grounds collected from a branch of Costa Coffee to power their vehicle. Yes, so there we go. The Carpuccino, it's at dailymail.co.uk, and they do in fact have an image of the car that is based on the DeLorean from Back to the Future, which is where we are, or were, or will be, and helpfully there is a diagram of how it works. I'll just say step one here because it's not as interesting reading. It's like reading a comic book and it's a comic strip on the air. Not as funny, but coffee granules are put into a glass, a gas cylinder, right, and heated to 700 C in a charcoal fire. The coffee breaks down into hydrogen and carbon monoxide. Let's step two. Here we go. The gas feeds into radiator type pipes when it cools, where it cools down, and the clean gas is fed through the front grill and into the engine where it burns, powering the vehicle. So there you go. How it works, the Carpuccino. And we'll be right back after these important messages. Here's big coffee news from the best coffee in town. Instant Hills Brothers coffee now comes in a 10 ounce jumbo family size jar. If you think that's news, listen to this. The big new 10 ounce jar of Instant Hills Brothers coffee is selling for 20 cents off regular price. That means you're getting a lot more coffee at a real saving. And that bigger size saves you extra shopping trips, too. Less chance of running out. Now, the big size and the 20 cents saving are important, sure. But the best news is that Hills Brothers makes the heartiest instant coffee going. The taste and the smell tell you that this is delicious coffee. So head for the hills right now in the big 10-ounce jumbo family-sized jar and save 20 cents in the bargain. Head for the hills in a jumbo-sized family jar. You just got to put some wheels on it and off you go.
Thank you. The amazing Millie Jackson. Good to the very last drop. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. It's a quarter to seven. Coming up at seven, our wolf will help us to face the music. But in the meantime, we're here for your needs, Ann Arbor, and all of you people who have Ann Arbor in your soul, or whatever it is in your soul. If you got it, we'll take it. So, <clears throat> on to stinky tofu. Now, this is important, because tofu that is stinky is stinky. This is from the Eats blog of the Dallas News, and tofu is of importance to the people of Ann Arbor, and so that's what we care about. says here, from Jeff and Tom's excellent stinky tofu adventure... I don't normally turn to Wikipedia, but it's hard to beat this. The traditional method for producing stinky tofu is to prepare a brine made from fermented milk, vegetables, and meat. The brine can also include dried shrimp, aramanth greens, mustard greens, bamboo shoots, and Chinese herbs. The brine fermentation can take as long as several months. Depending on the ways of preparation, the process can be extremely unsanitary. Okay, if you are easily grossed out, Turn off your radio now for 15 seconds. And here we go. The brine is covered with maggots and has an extremely strong, rotten odor. Then, after the brine is made, fresh, firm tofu is marinated in it for a period of time ranging from several days to a couple of months. If you come back in, wait another second if you're grossed out. Sometimes quick lime is added to control the fermentation and the maggots. Okay, you can come back now. A bit more reading turned up that stinky tofu is popular street fare in much of Asia. Hundreds of millions of people eat it and apparently like it. Wikipedia aside, the chances of it becoming actually life-threatening in the U.S. are pretty small. Which moves it out of the X Games category, or death-defying, and into the realm of culinary bungee jumping, which I'm generally up for, says this fellow. The City of Eight Post, I'm not sure what that is, mentioned that a Taiwanese restaurant in Richardson called Maize Ice Cream which serves no ice cream, but that's another story, sells stinky tofu. I figured, why not? And after getting turned down by several less adventuresome friends, I found a partner from DM and Dan Dallas Morning News Sunday editor. He said he thought he'd try this stuff during the travels. So, this place called Maze Ice Cream offers two stinky tofu dishes, soup, which sounded potentially slimy, and, and fried, which sounded worth trying. You can see the photo on the Dallas News Stinky Tofu Adventure thing website. Several golden cubes of fried tofu, along with some sweet and sour pickled salad vegetables. For me, it was the old Limburger cheese class of stink. Tom went for what is a common description of old gym shoes. Mm. After one bite, he realized he had not, in fact, ever tried the dish before and was not inclined to sample any further. The outside has the al dente tooth feel of any fried firm tofu. The inside was more firm than creamy, which with almost a bready texture. Like the smell, the taste was akin to very strong cheese, set off nicely by the pickled greenery. Would I order it again? Probably not, but I'm glad I tried it. So, stinky tofu. Moving right along to other important things, if you had stinky tofu, or perhaps you'd like to wash it down with a nice cold beer. Here's the good news from the Kansas City Business Journal of Ann Arbor. Uh, craft beer sales are up. Craft beer sales have risen 10% despite the overall decline in beer sales. According to the Brewers Association, national sales of craft beer grew 10.3% last year. Overall beer sales in the United States fell by 2.2%. The growth during the recession-hampered year was even stronger than the 10% sales jump that small locally-owned breweries saw from 2007 to 2008, says the Brewers Association. 
and it came at a time when imported beers, in particular, felt the sting of the economic downturn. When sales of with sales of foreign produced beer down almost 10 percent throughout the country last year. Craft breweries are defined as breweries that produce less than two million barrels of beer a year, are at least 75 percent locally owned, and do at least 50 percent of their business in all malt beers. Yes, indeed, craft beer sales are up 10 percent. Let's now go to the language instruction portion of our program again. The comedian harmonists. Let's have another beer. Kinder, kommt und seid gemütlich, jetzt ist es gerade so nett. Kinder, kommt und seid doch friedlich, danken könnt ihr euch im Bett. Ich hab noch das Geld für die Miete bei mir, der Hauswirt kann warten. Herr Ober, ein Bier! Erst trinken wir noch ein, erst trinken wir noch ein, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Hause. Erst trinken wir noch ein, erst trinken wir noch ein, und dann machen wir eine Pause. Und in der Pause vergessen wir eine Wurst, denn nach so einer Wurst kriegt man immer wieder so Dann trinken wir noch ein, dann trinken wir noch ein, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Hause. Bier her, Bier her, oder egal um. Kinder, ach, wie schön war's früher, da hat man doch noch gelebt. Heute kommt der Gerichtsvollzieher, der blaue Vögelchen klebt. Doch fleckt er auf weg unser Prachtgrammophon. Das Lied, wo aufs ankommt, das kennen wir ja schon. Jetzt trinken wir noch ein, jetzt trinken wir noch ein, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Hause. Jetzt trinken wir noch ein, jetzt trinken wir noch ein, und dann machen wir eine Pause. Und in der Pause, da ist mir eine Wurst, denn nach so einer Wurst kriegt man immer wieder durch. Hm. Dann trinken wir noch ein, dann trinken wir noch ein, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Well, there you go. Let's have another beer. That is the beautiful vocal sounds of the comedian harmonists on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We're talking about issues of importance to Ann Arbor, as if we don't do that every day. But today, especially, we got tofu, we've got beer, we've got cappuccino, and perhaps we should talk about granola. What do you think? So here's the deal. There is, in fact, at Carnegie Mellon, Mellon is a food reference, University, 
A SnackBot. It's a mobile autonomous robot intended for both fully autonomous and semi-autonomous operation. SnackBot has two jobs. One job is to serve as a research platform for projects in robotics, design, and behavioral science. SnackBot's other job is to serve snacks. This is from the Carnegie Mellon website. What is SnackBot? SnackBot is a mobile robot about the size of a very small human that rolls around on wheels and will be delivering snacks to students, faculty, and office workers at Carnegie Mellon University. A SnackBot research team of faculty, graduate students, and undergraduates from more than three departments at Carnegie Mellon created SnackBot as a platform for studying human-robot interaction in the real world. Now, this is some very important information. Uh, Let's see, there's something very interesting about moving through crowds in a socially acceptable fashion. I hope that I... Oh, here we go. The research will allow the robot to navigate through congested areas in a socially acceptable fashion. If only I was so lucky. Detect individual people moving near the robot. Recognize when someone that the robot knows approaches it and autonomously learn to recognize new objects. And this is actually a report from one media website. Sorry, uh, one India website. A re- and now translating, translating, a media reporter witnessed the SnackBot delivering a granola bar. Hello, I'm SnackBot, introduced the SnackBot and inquired, I've come to deliver snacks to Ian. Is Ian here? The robot comes with features like laser... <laughs> translation, click. The robot comes with features like laser navigation and laser navigation, if you prefer, solar sensors, and a point-gray Bumblebee 2 stereo camera which function, which functions as its eyes. Again, I should be so lucky. This is Pandora's Lunchbox moving right along from granola and tofu and cappuccino and beer to chickens, of course. This is from Discover Magazine, which actually is referencing Nature Magazine, and this may be the most important thing I've ever talked about on Pandora's Lunchbox. Says the website from Discover Magazine, For sexually confused chickens, the answer is in their cells. The technical way to explain this odd-looking fowl on the Discover Magazine website, you should look at that, is that it's gynandomorphous, or gynandomorphous, perhaps, or ginormous, perhaps. But if you want to just call it one seriously confused chicken, that works, too. For a new study in Nature, Michael Clinton and colleagues translation, investigated a few of these half-male, half-female chickens they obtained from chicken farms. They show up now and then not just the... Okay, gynandomorphs show up now and then not just in chickens, but also in parrots, pigeons, and some other kinds of animals. But scientists weren't sure how the mix-up happens, since the standard idea for sex different... This is, uh, it's above my head, I can't speak. For sex differentiation is that the sex hormones released by the gonads either masculinize or feminize the embryo. Clinton's team discovered that bird cells don't need to be programmed by hormones. Instead, they are inherently male or female, and remain so even if they end up mixed together in the same chicken. That's a reference to the BBC News here. The researchers had first assumed that the half-and-half chickens mm, followed the hormone pattern and that they were females with some sort of chromosomal problem on the male side. The lighter half of the bird in the image, which also supports, supports a large waddle, sturdy breast, musculature, and a leg spur on its male side. Instead, they found the chickens to be almost perfectly split between male and female. The ha- the ha- we're almost to the end of this. A hen half was, for the most part, made up of normal female cells with female chromosomes, 
whereas the cockerel side contained mostly normal male cells with male chromosomes. That was easily the most smoothly read item I've ever done in the history of Pandora's Lunchbox. Thank you for tuning in and learning about the confused chickens, which are less confused than I am right now. I've been Mike. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. In just a moment, Arwolf will help us to face the music. Starting tomorrow, it's the WCBN Fun Drive. Do you love WCBN? I know you do. Give us a call starting tomorrow, 763-3500. So pledge your support to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And while you're at it, you might want to eat at home. That's just a thought, unless you're eating out. But if you're Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney, you might want to eat at home. Let's find out what they have to say about this. This is our last report of the day. Thank you for listening. I've been Mike, and they've been Paul and Linda. Thank you.
It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement, broadcasting from the basement of the Student Activities Hotel. It's experimental, experiential radio, and it's run by students with lots and lots of community involvement. Ann Arbor's longest-running alternative educational experiment. Tonight, Face the Music will be, I think you'll find it quite uh, variegated. There'll be a lot of different things going to come across. We would like to begin with Our Lady of Naughty Songs, Ruth Wallace. This is the Cape Canaveral Blues. Do sing along. Once I loved the darling's scientist. He had a real crazy supersonic kiss. But when we got together, I'd go out of my mind. Because he used to worry, worry all the time. That he couldn't get it up, couldn't get it up. He had the Cape Canaveral blues. When I held him tight in my embrace, he was always off somewhere in outer space. And all those little joys a girl expects. That big romantic project he couldn't project. He couldn't get it up, couldn't get it up. He had the Cape Canaveral blues. He was one of those terribly intelligent guys instead of stars. I saw a rocket 